Uh, Turn your Bible to Genesis 16 if you could. Well, I know probably some of you struggle with um, falling asleep during sermons. I only struggled once in BCM Chapel falling asleep. And the guy stood right here and he was very soft-spoken. And I don't know what he preached about. All I remember is I struggled staying awake. You know, one time a pastor um, had a deacon that kept falling asleep in his sermons. And it really bothered him, really bothered him. So one Sunday, he was like, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. So he waited midway through the sermon. The deacon falls asleep. And he says, everybody wants to go to heaven. Stand up. So everybody stands up, and the deacon is still sitting down. He said, okay, sit down. Everybody that wants to go to hell, stand up, says it real loud. The deacon wakes up, hears the stand-up part, stands up. <laughs> and he looks around, nobody else is standing. Then he says, Pastor, I don't know what we're voting for, but only you and me are in favor of it. <laughs> yes. So hopefully you have Genesis 16 there. Genesis 16 is a story of Hagar. Hagar is a very interesting person and character in the Bible there. She's usually viewed actually in a rather bad light, but she was kind of forced into a bad situation. Though the overall story, I think, of Hagar is actually a really sad, disappointing story. I think there's some valuable lessons we can learn from this story. So to catch us up to speed here, uh, God had promised Abraham that his descendants would be the sand of the sea that he would have multiple generations and vast amount of land. But the problem was he didn't have any children. Um, Sarah and him were getting old. And so they came up with a solution to the problem. And we find the solution here in Genesis 16. So follow along as I read it. And maybe we'll read responsibly here. We're going to read the whole chapter because I think it's pretty short and we need the context. Chapter 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing, I pray thee. Go unto my maid, and it may be, I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar her maid, the Egyptian, after Abraham had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived... And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarai said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee, I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between me and thee. But Abram said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way of Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, whence camest thou, and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress, and submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. He will be a wild man, his hand will be against every man, and every man's hand will be against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me. For she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? Wherefore the well was called Berlahoi, because it was between Kadesh and Berdid. 
And Hagar bare Abraham a son, and Abram called his son's name, which Hagar bare Ishmael. And Abraham was fourscore and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. Here, Hagar, we see she was just a servant from Egypt. She didn't have a high position. She definitely wasn't rich. She was probably born a servant and was going to die a servant. And no doubt life as a servant in Abraham's household wasn't bad, but it still was a servant's life. You know, she didn't have any special promises. Here, God had made promises to Abraham of vast, vast amounts of land. His descendants would be the sand of the sea. God had taken care of Abraham, and God had blessed him greatly financially. But Hagar didn't have a single promise. God didn't promise her a big multitude of descendants or vast amounts of land. You know, we know nothing about her heritage. We know a lot about Abraham's heritage. We know his father, his family. The only thing we know about Hagar was she was born in Egypt, which really isn't a good thing if you look at the history of the Bible. You know, really, Hagar, she was also used. She was used. Abraham and Sarah only wanted a child from her. She was going to have a child, and then the child was going to be taken away, and Sarah was going to be the one to raise the child. You know, we we would call her a surrogate mother today. That's all they wanted from her. She was a nobody, but she was not forgotten. You know, God appeared to her. God went looking for her, found her, and made himself known to this poor servant girl. The God of the universe was watching and caring about her. At the end of the encounter with God, she calls upon God as, Thou, God, seest me. God didn't just see Abraham. He didn't see Sarah. He didn't see important people. He saw Hagar. She was amazed that God actually saw her, the unimportant, nobody, used little servant girl, and that God actually cared about her. This is so significant that they named the well, uh, Bera Lahoy, which means the well of the living one, seeing me. Hagar realized and was amazed that God saw her. You know, today, God sees you. He sees you. Some of you think that God doesn't care much about you. That God is way more interested in other people's lives than he is for your life. But God hasn't forgotten about you. He thinks you're really important. You may think, oh, I don't come from a great family. I don't have a great last name. Nobody knows me. But God knows you. He sees you personally and wants to make himself known to you as, Thou, God, seest me. Matthew 10, 29, 31 says, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore. Are ye more of value than many sparrows? If God sees a sparrow, which was not created in his image, nor his blood-bought child, how much more do you think he actually cares about you? God cares so much about you. You know, at the end of one of my college semesters, I was in debt quite a bit. I owed quite a bit of money on my school bill. And so I needed to pay that off in order to return uh, to college the next semester. So I remember there was actually another student um, that was in a similar situation as me. I don't know how much he owed, but I think it was quite a big deal. And I remember thinking, well, God's going to take care of him because he's popular. People know him. He has leadership positions. People like him. God's going to take care of him, but 
I don't really know if he'll take care of me. I don't know if he really, uh, if he really cares about me that much. Well, sure enough, God provided for that person. Kind of knew that would happen. But then it took longer in a different way than I expected. But God took care of me. God saw me. And today, God sees you in a wonderful, blessed way. In a way that I can't even describe. God sees you and is interested in you personally. God sees you. Point number two, God hears you. First one was God sees you if you're taking notes. If you have a pen and a piece of paper. Um, Number two, God hears you. God told Hagar to name the boy Ishmael, which means God will hear. The name was not given to Abraham. God specifically gave the name to Hagar to name the child that way. It was meant to be a continual reminder to Hagar that God hears her prayers, her problems, that God had heard her afflictions, her cries, her trouble. She was not anybody special. As we saw before, she's not special, but God heard her. God hears your afflictions, your trials, your problems. God's point to Hagar was that he did not just hear the special people's prayers. He hears the lowly and ordinary people. God says he's a hearing and answering God. So about a year ago, I got engaged to the most wonderful woman in the world. She's pretty amazing. Um, So we got engaged in the beginning of May, and we were going to get married in the beginning of August. The one kicker was, though, I didn't know where we were going to live. And I tried a bunch of different options, looking at different stuff, and nothing was happening. So I had had heard um, testimonies of people praying for housing, and God just provided miraculous and wonderful ways. But he hadn't done that for me yet. And so I prayed about it like every day, almost all through the summer. I prayed about it. I was worried about it. I was nervous about it. Like, you got to take care of us, God. Where are we going to go? A tent out back or, you know, I don't know. <laughs> like, what are we going to do? And so I prayed about it, prayed about it. And in the end of, you know, about beginning of July, about a month to a wedding, God provided for us. And we had a place to stay. You know, again, I was reminded, you know what? God hears my prayers that my prayers are special to God. Uh, Point number three here is God has a plan for you. God gives Hagar the promise that her seed would be multiplied. It doesn't say, I'll multiply thy seed because of Abraham. It specifically says, I'll multiply thy seed. Talking about Hagar. You know, God was not entitled to bless the union between Hagar and Abraham. That wasn't his plan. His plan and his blessing for Abraham was through Abraham and Sarah in the child of Isaac. So God had a big plan for Hagar's life, not Herod, a different person. (laughs) Hagar's life and her offspring. You know, God has a plan that is amazing, amazing for each and every one of you. Romans 12.2 says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, God wants you to live a holy, righteous life so that you can accomplish the will he has for you. And it says it's going to be perfect, it's going to be amazing, it's going to be awesome. And God has that for each one of you. 
Now, Jeremiah 1.5 says, Behold, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. You know, God just doesn't do that for Jeremiah. God does that for Joshua. God does that for Sergio, for Zeb, for Nathan. God does that for all you. Before you were even a thought, God had a plan for you. A special, amazing plan meant just for you that God has. Okay, some of you got to wake up. Some of you guys are getting droopy eyes already. So maybe like stand up or something. <laughs> you know, God doesn't, sometimes we think this, that God has like A-level plans, God has B-level plans, and C-level plans. And so he goes around and he says, okay, well, I'm going uh, to give you an A-level plan because you're pretty awesome. I'm going to give you an A-level plan. Um, well, you're okay, but maybe not the best, so you'll get a B-level. You'll do something for me. Well, we're running short on A-level plans right now, so you're going to get a C. <laughs> Tough luck, buddy. <laughs> but we think that way. We think, oh, well, God doesn't have a plan for me. You know, that person, man, God's going to bless them. God's going to use them. They're so awesome and amazing. In my life, I'm just going to be, you know, sitting in the pew. That's good. You know, <laughs> going sewing in once in a while, but God's not going to use me any big. No, God has an A plan for all of you. You know, we have to remember that we're living for heaven and eternity. A lot of times we judge Christian success based on earthly standards. We think, oh, well, we judge success on fame or how many people are coming to church or your ministry styles. But God is the one that judges, and he judges it a lot differently than we judge it. You know, there are going to be people in heaven that you never knew that didn't pastor a big church or pastor at all that no books were written about them, and they didn't write any books. But they're going to be highly, highly honored in heaven. You know, there are going to be women in heaven that you didn't know anything about. You would, nobody in their church hardly knew about them. But God's going to highly honor them because they obeyed God in the role he had for them, and they did it the best they could. You know, there's going to be people that they couldn't do much in life. Physically, they didn't have, like, super mental capabilities, but they could pray. And they prayed in faith, and they did what they could to serve God. And God is going to give them a very high position in this kingdom of God. You know, kingdom positions and placement in the kingdom of God don't come from personalities. They come because of obedience to the plan God has for you. God has a great plan for all of you. Some of you, it may be visible in this life. Others, it may not be visible until you get to heaven, but you all have an A grade plan. So you guys got to stop moping around. Think, oh, God's not going to use me. That person's great. I'm not. I'm just going to, you know, chill over here. It's okay if I don't do that well. I'm not, God didn't have that great of a plan. God has a great plan for you. You know, the other thing you got to do is stop comparing. We all get caught in this thing like, man, I can't speak like them. I don't have the musical ability like them. I didn't come from this family history like they did. You know, God knows that. And God wants it differently. You know, it would be all bummer if we all spoke the same, we all played the same, we all came from the same family. God loves variety. <laughs> you know. So, you know, we, God has a different plan for you than somebody else. And it's just as amazing, just as awesome. So we don't need to go around comparing ourselves, trying to think and weigh each other out. We just be, got to be excited about the plan God has for each one of us. Point number four. Last point. I'm moving fast, aren't I? 
I'll give you more time to look at your WhatsApp statuses anyhow. <laughs> Number four, God has a step for you. Here, after God asked some initial questions to Hagar, he immediately gave her a step to take. I don't think it was the step that Hagar was hoping. I think that Hagar was hoping that God would just, you know, send her a different place, oasis in the desert, that she could live away from Hagar, away from Sarah and Abraham. But God said, no, you're going back. I want you to go back and submit yourself to Sarah. God was telling her to be humble and obedient. Was Sarah right in what she was doing? No, Sarah was in the wrong in this case. But the step God had for her, and God knew what he was doing. After God tells her what to do, he then proceeds to give her promises and describe his plan for her. Really, God is saying, Hagar, I see you. I hear you. I have a plan for you. You can trust me. Obey me. Hagar took a step of faith by believing God and went back to Sarah and submitted herself. That took a lot of, lot of faith to go back and a whole lot of humility to humble herself before Sarah. You know, God has a step for you. God has a great plan, but there's always a step of faith right now. You know, I don't know what God is calling to you right now. I know my life, God always has a step of faith he wants me to take right now. And that always is in line with the big plan God has for me. You know, maybe it's about being a bold witness or submitting to leadership in your life. Or maybe it's something that would just get you out of your comfort zone right now. But God has a plan for you. You know, why lessen it by not obeying him now? In 1952, a church was having a testimony time when two people that had never met gave a similar story about how they came to Christ. They were in Sydney, Australia, when a man stopped them and asked them, Young man, if you die tonight, where will you go? Heaven or hell? Well, this was rather interesting, and the pastor took note of it. Later, when the pastor was in Australia, he shared the story with the different crowds, and other people had the same experience, where someone had stopped them in Sydney and asked them, If you die tonight, where will you go? Heaven or hell? which eventually led to their conversion. Well, the preacher was finally able to track down this man in in Sydney, Australia. The man's name was Frank Janner. Frank stated that he was happy to be saved and wanted to tell others about Jesus because of what Jesus had done for him. The best place to share, he found, was on George Street, Sydney. For at least 16 years, Frank had tried to ask 10 people a day that simple question, if you die today, where will you go? Heaven or hell? When Frank was told about the people that accepted Christ because of a witness, he said, You know, I never heard that anyone had, that I had ever spoken to had gone on for the Lord. Some made professions of salvation, but when I spoke, when I spoke to them, but I never heard there any more than that. It's estimated that he spoke up to 100,000 to 100, people. And several people that got <laughs> saved started other ministries and reaching, reaching others through their ministries. You know, today we do not know the full extent of this man, uh, Frank Jenner. But God had a wonderful plan. He, nobody knew about him, but God knew about him. And had a wonderful plan specifically for him and what he could do. And God also had a step for him to take. 
and he took it. Many times, Frank said that he felt weak and that he would keep a Bible verse in his pocket to remind him that God gives him strength. So today, the four points. God sees you. You're not forgotten to God. He didn't pass you over. He doesn't care about others more than you. He cares about you. Two, God hears you. God hears your prayers. Your prayers make a difference. God knows the trials and afflictions you're in and all the trials, and God, God listens to you. Three, God has a plan for you. God has a plan that is amazing and special and awesome. And there's no other plan better than the plan God has given you. And number four, God has a step for you to take today. There's a step of faith that God wants you to take. And I think a lot of you know what that step is. There's a step that God wants you to take today that's in line with his big plan, but he wants you to take it. 